Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Balanced Blonde Podcast, Soul on Fire. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately that have an intro that is the same every time, just like a 15-second tidbit on what the podcast is about. So I'm going to give that a go and say that the Balanced Blonde Podcast, if this is your first time listening, is about all things holistic healing, wellness, nutrition, deep conversations, and super spiritual out there stuff like Reiki and aliens occasionally. So there you go. I have had so many crazy out there spiritual experiences lately. I don't even know where to begin. But since this is a solo episode, I will definitely dive into it because I got a lot of questions from you guys about what is happening lately with my spiritual journey and how to get started on your own spiritual journey, how to use crystals, all that good stuff. So if you couldn't already tell, today's episode is a Q&A episode. I got on Instagram last week and asked you guys to send in your questions so that I can answer them in an open forum type of way because a lot of times I will spend tons of time responding to questions on Instagram DM, on email, on Facebook, on my website because I have an Ask Jordan section on thebalancedblonde.com, which you can always just find on thebalancedblonde.com slash QA. If you ever have a quick question that you want me to answer, I usually answer those every day-ish. Sometimes I take like a two-week break from answering them because for some reason, have you guys ever noticed that certain things take a ton of energy out of you, even if they're not physically demanding or mentally demanding. They just absolutely deplete you and you have to be in a certain headspace to do it. So for some reason, answering questions can be that way for me. And I think it's because I take that job really seriously. Because if you're coming to me to ask me a question, then I want to be able to provide you with an answer that's actually going to help you. So it takes a lot of thought and a lot of energy. So because of that, I thought it would be fun to do a whole episode dedicated to questions and answers. And I'll give you guys full disclosure here and tell you that I actually recorded this episode to begin with a week ago and decided not to post it and to just completely redo it because I spent so much time answering each question that I only got to like five questions. So I'm, I want to answer as many as possible. I think I got like something like 300 or 400 from you guys last week when I asked you to send them in. So I'm just going to try to hit as many as possible and also combine as many as possible so that I can answer the ones that were the most highly requested. So let's go ahead and dive in. The first question is from Madison Balu. What is your best advice for letting go of judgment? So this question could be answered in a couple different ways because if you're asking how to let go of judging others, I think that's an amazing question. Letting go of the ego is an amazing place to start. Usually I feel like we judge others because we see something in them that reflects something in ourselves that we don't like. And we have all been there, no matter how spiritual we are, no matter how positive we try to be. I think we all have things about ourselves that we don't like or that we're insecure about. So when we see that in someone else or when we see the opposite of that in someone else, there can be a reaction of judgment. For example, I was highly, highly, highly judged when I stopped being a plant-based vegan and I was judged by the ethical vegan community. And I feel that a lot of the greatest judgment came from people who felt like I was holding a mirror up to their experience. And maybe they weren't so happy with their own vegan experience anymore either. Because the people who were happy and confident and chose to be vegan because it made them feel really good, they weren't judging me at all. They were actually reaching out, telling me, good for you, Jordan, good for you to listen to your body and be an advocate for what's important to you, just like they're an advocate for what's important to them. So I noticed pretty quickly right off the bat that a lot of that judgment, a lot of that negativity came from people who were severely insecure in their own skin and insecure about something very particular in their life, which was their dietary choices. So if you're looking to let go of judgment, judging others, then I would say take a look at yourself. 
and do that by journaling, by meditating, by getting really clear on what's important to you and what you need and what you would like to move past. And I'm really open about all that kind of stuff. I have a lot of stuff I want to move past. The ego is one of them. I'm a fast-moving person, and I'm always trying to slow down. And that requires not comparing myself to other people, not judging other people for doing too much or doing too little with their time, but really just being okay with what anyone does at any time because we need to focus on ourselves at the end of the day. It also all goes back to the law of attraction and the vibe that you put out is the vibe that you receive. So if you consciously try not to judge others, then it's very likely that others will not judge you. And that's because you're putting out an air of confidence and that's really important. So the next question is from, I dream of PB and her name is Natasha. On Instagram, she's I dream of peanut butter. That's so cute. So how about any tips or advice for someone just starting their own podcast? That's an amazing question, Natasha. I'm so glad that you asked. And it's funny because when I started this podcast, I had no podcasting experience whatsoever. I had no experience with GarageBand or any type of audio training. All I knew was that I wanted to start a podcast. I had a vision. I wanted to interview successful people in my industry. And I felt like I was surrounded by so many inspiring people whose stories that I wanted to share. So I had a very clear vision. And that was about all I had. I didn't know even what I was going to record with. So I called on people who I knew who had podcasts. Katie Horwich of The Want Cast was the one who probably helped me the most. And I had a big phone call with her asking her, what kind of equipment should I get? What do I record with? What do you think is the best in terms of microphones and audio interfaces? And she took the time to help me. So I think all you need is someone that is willing to mentor you a little bit, answer your questions, and you need a clear vision of what you want your show to be about. And that doesn't mean that your show has to stay the same. Mine has actually changed immeasurably. It started out more as a podcast show of interviewing other people in the wellness industry who have found success. And it's really shifted to a much more spiritual podcast that helps me connect with you guys and It's therapeutic for me to share my story and myself with you guys, just like it always has been to blog. So it's turned into another form of deep connection versus interviewing, which is really cool. And I still love the interviews, but it's shifted a lot. It's evolved a lot. And I'm really happy about that. So my second piece of advice would be just let your podcast change and shift along with you because if you try to force it to be anything but entirely authentic to what you're excited about, it's probably not going to do the best or reach as many people. And I find that the more authentic I am, the more that I'm willing to talk about things that can be a little hard for me to talk about or open up about, that is when I reach the most people and people come to me and tell me that those are some of their favorite episodes. The next question is from Megan Heidinger. I recognize your name from the podcast group on Facebook, Soul on Fire Podcast Tribe. And I know that you just started a blog, so that's really exciting. Congratulations. Megan asks, where to begin on your spiritual journey? I feel like you already had so much knowledge when you began your journey. So that's in Megan's words. And I appreciate that. I don't know if I had a lot of knowledge when I began my spiritual journey unless you count the fact that I feel like our life sets us up for things that we're ready for. So I got into yoga when I was 14 years old, and I believe that that set me up for a deeper spiritual practice. Later in my teens, I started meditating. That set me up for a deeper spiritual practice so that earlier this year, when I was called to learn more about kundalini, I wanted to dive into it. And I had all of this training in yoga and I've learned a lot about Ayurveda and each step that I've taken in my life has led me something closer to a different type of spiritual practice or a way to dive deeper. So I started meeting people and surrounding myself with people who I would call high vibe people. And they have introduced me to all sorts of things on this spiritual path that I think I probably would have been really closed off to had I not had these experiences with them first and had conversations with them first. And I'm a strong believer that you can't force these types of situations 
friendships and conversations to happen, but they will come into your life at the right time and you have to be open to receiving them. And I'm pretty confident that for years I was not open to receiving that type of message from the universe. I was a little closed off. I did like meeting new people, but I was pretty rigid about my time and the way I spent my time. And I didn't allow myself to open up and go on coffee dates with people that I didn't know very often unless we had a mutual friend. And when I started to become more open and respond to a lot of the inquiries I was getting from people to meet up and connect, these people who knew that they had something to share with me on a spiritual level or an emotional connected level, that's when I started to really open up. So beyond Kundalini, I started to open up to energy healing, to Reiki, to shamanism, to Pleiadian channeling. And that is all because of people that brought it into my life and were kind enough to share those things with me. And then I was open enough to receive the messages that they were sharing. So I think my greatest advice for people who are looking to get into spirituality is to do some type of research so that when spiritual messages come knocking on your door, as I like to say, then you're prepared for them and you can connect them to the greater purpose that they have to offer. So for example, when I started seeing the numbers 201 everywhere, this was about six years ago, I didn't at first connect that in a spiritual way at all. It was only after it happened for a couple of years, every single day, this whole 201 phenomenon that I started thinking, I feel like this is a sign from a non-physical place that I should be connected and maybe this is someone guiding me and I started to become a lot more open. So when you do your research, you're able to be more open, I believe. So a couple books that you can read that will really help to open you up are The Universe Has Your Back by Gabby Bernstein. I love another book that I just started reading called Opening to Channel by Sanaya Roman. And that is learning how to connect with your inner guide and your spirit guides. So if you're looking to channel something from beyond, that's a really good book to read. It really teaches you how to open up. Then I have this book right here. I'm grabbing it so I can read the title. It's called Discover Your Psychic Type by Sherry Dillard. And this one's really cool. All the books that I'm telling you guys about right now are for people from any walk of life. You don't have to have had spiritual experiences or intuitive experiences. But if you're open to learning more, then these are a really good place to start. They're very approachable. I also love Anatomy of the Spirit by Carolyn Miss. She's not totally and completely woo-woo. She shares the science and anatomy of the spirit. So the chakra system, you'll learn a lot there. And I feel like once you start to do research by reading these books, also listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos, all that good stuff, connecting with people who are also into this stuff, then your world just expands because your brain expands and you're open to so much more information. So another person I've been looking into lately is Wendy Kennedy. She channels the Pleiadians. And I found her on Sheena Manina's podcast, Raw Talk with Sheena. And Sheena's coming on my podcast next month. I'm so excited. She has an incredible show that you should check out, Raw Talk with Sheena, like I just said. And she talks about all this stuff too. So once you start surrounding your space with spiritual things, I feel like your brain will become enlightened and you'll be a lot more open. Um, ever since I started doing this, I've been opening to channeling in my dreams and it's nuts. And I am lucky to have the opportunity to interview a lot of people who have inspired me, like Colleen McCann of Style Rituals, who's coming on this podcast in a few weeks, Heather and Timmy of Energy Muse, The Crystal Healing, of course, Kelsey Patel, The Reiki Master, Marianne DeMarco, the most amazing medium in the world, um, so many other people, Emma Milden, um, go back and listen to the previous episodes if you haven't heard them yet because they have a lot to share. As you could tell, I could talk about this stuff all day. So I'm sure we'll get more questions on it throughout the episode and I'll get back to it. But to switch gears for a second, Olivia Dees asked, I recently started my wellness journey and I was wondering if you have any advice for how to talk to friends, family, boyfriend, etc. about wellnessy things if they're not necessarily into it. 
Okay, I love that question because I started experiencing this a long time ago when I started being into plant-based eating and yoga at a very young age when nobody I knew in my personal life was into health or wellness at all. Of course, things have shifted now about a decade down the line in my journey. But back then, it was not cool to eat plant-based. Doing yoga was, you know, something that was not easy to do. There was only one studio in the town where I grew up at the time. Now there's a ton if you go back to Sacramento. But talking to people about it is really important. I know some people who are into wellness and spirituality who kind of hide that part of themselves because they're embarrassed or they think it's not cool or not going to help them fit in. For example, I don't really drink alcohol. I probably drink once a month or less. I actually less <laughs> these days. And I used to have a really hard time with it because I felt like my friends from high school and college just wouldn't understand and they wouldn't want to hang out with me because that's a huge part of their social life. But once I grew confident in my own choices and knew that it had nothing to do with how fun I am or who I am in a social situation, it's literally just something that you're putting into your body that is a personal choice, then I just started talking to people about it and being open. And once I talked to some of my really good friends about it and explained where I was coming from, they got on board and they supported me. And I will say it took probably many years for some of my really close friends to start supporting that decision because it's tough when someone is really into drinking alcohol and there's another friend who isn't, you have to find some kind of common ground and other things to do together. So I know that you didn't preface your question based around alcohol, but you're talking about wellness. So that's part of it. Maybe the people in your life are into going to restaurants that have no healthy options or going on vacations that are full of partying and no exercise and no healthy food. I've definitely been there in a lot of these different circumstances. And I think just being open and being confident with who you are is the best choice that you can make. And the people in your life who support you, they're meant to be in your life and they're not going to go anywhere. You don't have to do the same things and have like-minded interests about how to eat in order to be friends. I think that's a really important thing to remember. And people who don't support you or who judge you, as I was saying in an earlier answer to one of the questions, I think that has a lot more to do about themselves and how they feel and how they're acting than it has to do with you. So if for some reason people in your life are not supporting your choices to be healthy or to be spiritual or to embark on whatever path it is that you're into and that makes you feel good, I would say perhaps you should keep those people at an arm's distance. I think we should really focus on surrounding ourselves with positive energy and positive vibes because our vibe of the people around us has so much to do with how we feel every day. And once I finally started to allow myself to let go of the people who were no longer serving me in a positive way was when I could finally evolve into the next step of wellness, the next step of my business, the next step of my spirituality. And that was really hard because I didn't let go of anyone for many, many years. I collect friends. I collect people. So that was tough. But you got to just surround yourself with people who support you or who are also on this path with you, one or the other. And I hope that that helps. So the next question is from Eliza Grossman. I've noticed that you eat an incredibly clean diet, which is totally great, but how to walk the line with staying in recovery from orthorexia while still staying away from bad foods? I love this, Eliza. Such a good question. I have spent many years trying to strike a balance between eating healthy and fulfilling my passion for clean eating and trying out different styles of eating like paleo and ketogenic. And obviously I had my years with veganism. I feel like I've tried it all with also staying in recovery from orthorexia, the pretty serious and intense eating disorder that I experienced and a ton of people in this world experience of going down the rabbit hole of eating way too healthy and way too clean and developing food fears. So In some cases, there is no such thing as too healthy or too clean, but it depends on your personality and it depends on how food affects you. So if food is affecting you in a negative way and you're eating really healthy, that could mean that you're experiencing orthorexia. 
as I did when I was, I was experiencing a ton of negativity from food because I was terrified of foods, terrified of social situations that involved food, lots of bad psychological stuff surrounding food. So the way that I walk that fine line is by listening to my body every day and allowing myself to have foods that I love. So when I finally realized in my recovery process that you can eat foods that you love that are healthy and good for you and from the earth and nutritious and all that good stuff, but you love them, not just eating them because they're good for you or because someone's told you that this will help you recover or this will be good for that or whatever, then my whole life changed. So I make sure that every meal I eat is something I genuinely love and enjoy, whether that be oatmeal with sugar-free chocolate chips from Eating Evolved. I break up a sugar-free chocolate bar. It's so delicious. Or whether that be bacon and eggs, organic, free-range, local from the farmer's market. I find a way to enjoy everything I eat and also make sure that it is good for me because I do believe that my body is a temple and I don't feel good at all when I put foods into my body that are not natural, not organic, not from the earth, not from a local farmer's market. I don't necessarily do well with sugar. So I've just tried to find that balance between knowing what doesn't work for me and also making sure that I'm not just eating things because they quote unquote work for me or they quote unquote were told to me to eat to fix a certain imbalance that I had. And then the third thing I would say is that knowledge is power. So get yourself tested for everything. I routinely do blood panels and stool tests and saliva tests and all sorts of different work on my body with my functional medicine doctor, with my Ayurvedic practitioner, etc., to know where I stand and what my food intolerances are and what my hormone imbalances are. And I see my Ayurvedic practitioner, we check my tongue, we check my pulse, we look at my skin and we decipher if I'm in a balanced place or if perhaps I am depriving or overindulging in a way. And that happens because a lot of us modern day humans, especially women, we turn to food for comfort. We turn to food for control. And I really, it's hard for me to help the fact that I I use food to control my life. It's something I've been doing since I was about 10 years old, maybe younger. So that's a pattern I can't necessarily break as hard as I've tried. I can just be super aware of it. And I can check in with myself every single day to ask myself, are you using food in a positive way? Are you enjoying your food? Are you using food to control your life? When I get nervous, I lose my appetite and it's really easy for me to quote unquote deprive myself. That's not a good place to be. So it just takes constant checking in. And that's why I'm so passionate about meditating in the morning, journaling, asking myself questions about how I feel, asking myself questions about what I need, programming my crystals, Um, The really cool thing about crystals is that while they all have their different meanings and what they're meant for, you can program your crystal to hold what it is that you need. So I've actually programmed some of my crystals by holding them in my hand, saging them and meditating with them, asking them to be my healing space for food because food is a way that I control my life and I don't want to be unkind to my body. So I have program or I have crystals that I can meditate with that remind me to use healing, loving energy on myself. And one of those is rose quartz because rose quartz is really great for love and loving thyself, loving others. And body love is huge to me. So I meditate with my rose quartz and that reminds me to just feed myself nutritiously and well. And luckily my preferences lean a lot toward clean food because I like the way it makes me feel. So I hope that that answers your question and I hope it helps some of you who also struggle between that fine line between eating well and eating too well and having yourself in a food prison because none of us want or need that. So the next question is from Vinyasa Scarf on Instagram. She asks, good meditation recommendations and favorite yoga pose. 
Okay, so I know a lot of people love the app Headspace. I actually have not used it. Um, I do a lot of transcendental meditation, TM. You can find a transcendental meditation teacher in your area. In LA, I like to go to the Den meditation. I also like to go to Unplug over here in West LA. And I love Kundalini meditations. To meditate, I kind of have to get like way out of my head and way into outer space. So doing kundalini sets, kundalini kriyas can get you out of your head and get you into the headspace to meditate and draw inward. So I would highly recommend kundalini. You can check out the High Vibe Living Girls website, highvibeliving.com. I know that they have a course that they lead people through. Um, I love Gabby Bernstein's guided meditations on YouTube. And also, my biggest tip for meditation is to start small. So starting with seven minutes at a time is a really, really good place to begin to clear the mind and kind of just let the thoughts float in front of your head. Don't force yourself to get thoughts out of your head because that's pretty much impossible to do until you're very advanced with meditation and then it's still hard to do. So just let the thoughts float by you and try not to get too attached to anything and Have a journal nearby so when you finish, you can write down some thoughts or anything that came up. And my favorite yoga pose is probably half pigeon. I could sit in half pigeon, the hip opener, forever. And if you're looking for any tips and tricks on how to get started with yoga and yoga poses, I have my Soul on Fire ebook. You can find it on my website. It's at the top slider and it has the breakdown of 180 poses and my whole yoga journey and tons of other stuff. It's really fun and I love sharing it with you guys. Here's a question from, oh, Rachel Mansfield. She asks, who's your favorite blogging bestie? I love this question because I love all of my blogging babes, my wellness babes. We support each other. We love each other's blogs. Obviously, I love Rachel's blog, Rachel Mansfield. Tons of healthy recipes, healthy food, really awesome wellness lifestyle hacks, tips and tricks. Check out her website at rachelmansfield.com. She's also on this podcast a lot as a co-host. I also love on Instagram, Shut the Kale Up, Jeanette Ogden. She's been on this podcast. Sophie Jaffe, Kelly Levesque, Tara and Jesse of How You Glow, Jerry Hirsch, All these people have been on the podcast because I like to share the people I love with you guys. But those are genuinely some of the people I search every day on Instagram and I read their blogs. I also love The Skinny Confidential, Lauren and Michael. And I love Kath Eats, who I've talked about before on this podcast. I've been reading her blog for years, Kath Younger. Oh my gosh, there's so many. Chocolate Covered Katie, amazing dessert blog tons. I'll have to do a list. I'll do a blog post on this so I can link to everybody. But those are some good ones to check out for sure. Amaria Active asks, what's your favorite cheat meal slash food? So first I should say, I don't actually believe in the phrase cheat meal. I don't think that any food that we put into our body should be considered a cheat, quote unquote, because that will always make us feel guilty about something that we're putting into our body that might be a little bit more indulgent. So I like to say indulgences or just a meal. All meals are meals that we put into our body. And if you live a healthy lifestyle, then you really can handle having indulgences, having foods that you love that aren't totally clean, totally healthy because you eat well most of the time. So I like to practice kind of the 80-20 rule or the 90-10 rule or whatever it is that you want to call it. And I like to have dessert every day. So what some people might consider a lot more indulgent would be I have dark chocolate every day from Eating Evolved. I also love Primal Palettes cookie dough. It's so good. They make it with a company called Capello's. You can buy it at Whole Foods. I always keep that in my freezer and cut off little cylinders of it every so often because that's something that I love and enjoy. And it all goes back to fueling ourselves with food that makes us feel good from the inside out. And sometimes when you're craving chocolate, it means you need some extra magnesium in your body. I'm a little magnesium deficient. So I know that I'm craving chocolate for a reason. So I eat it. So when you're good to yourself and you exercise and you move and you eat well, eat foods that are high in vitamins and minerals and local and organic. So you're actually getting the nutrients out of them then you can handle having some treats 
every so often or all of the time. I think it just takes listening to your body in order to to go there. But I guess what some people would consider more of an indulgent meal also, I love burgers. I love grass-fed meat when I'm in the mood for a good grass-fed burger on a lettuce-wrapped bun. There's so many good places that I like to get those around LA, but Burger Lounge is one that I really like and I trust their meat sources. So yeah, I think it's just important to not view food as a cheat meal or something that is that we should feel guilty about or will cause us to feel guilt. Sarah Strifolino asks, can you talk about in steps your morning ritual? How much time do you spend practicing yoga every day and do you always practice in the morning? Okay, so I love this because you guys know I'm huge on morning rituals. Huge, huge, huge. My ritual changes every morning because... No two days in my life are ever the same. Sometimes I wake up at Jonathan's. Sometimes I wake up at home. Sometimes I have to be somewhere 30 minutes after I wake up. And sometimes I have the whole morning to myself to do a long, awesome, drawn-out routine. So let's just talk about a morning that I'm waking up at home and that I have a lot of time to myself to start the day exactly as I love to. So I would wake up without an alarm, something that I do pretty often. I leave the curtains in my room open so that the sunlight can come in and wake me up and gets me a little closer to that circadian rhythm that is so important, although I am more of a night owl and I do believe that everybody's bodies are just different. We all have different internal clocks. So I'm a night owl and that means that my circadian rhythm is a little different than like the early to bed, early to rise type of people and I've embraced that. But I do wake up usually on my own with the sunlight coming in through the windows around 7.30 or 8, sometimes later, sometimes earlier, just depends. So I wake up. I like to spend a little bit of time cuddling with Hudson in bed before I get up and start my routine. I think if you have an animal, it's really nice to soak in their love and spend some time with them and let them help remind you what's important in life, which is love, connection, tranquility, being content, remembering that life is not a race. It's not about jumping out of bed and rushing to a meeting or rushing to social media or to your email. Life is truly different for every single person and you have to find what makes you happy. So something that makes me happy is slow mornings. So I like to wake up, sunlight coming through my room, cuddle with Huddy in bed, and then I like to get up and make a bulletproof coffee. You guys know I love bulletproof. I love the way it makes me feel. It gives me energy. It's also just a nice morning ritual to make something that I know feels really good in my body and fuels me up with healthy fats and MCTs. So I like to get up, make my bulletproof coffee, bring it back to my room and meditate for seven minutes. That's my current thing right now. So I set my alarm on my phone actually for eight minutes so that I can spend a minute getting quiet and actually getting into the meditation. And I surround myself with crystals. Hudson usually joins me, although there are varying opinions on whether animals should be in the room while you meditate. I like meditating with Hudson. He's very wise, very open in many ways. So meditate for seven minutes. And that usually gets me in a really nice headspace where I then have my journal sitting next to me and like to write down my intentions for the day, thoughts that went through my head, anything that's pressing on my mind that I know I have to do so I can just write it down and not have to worry about forgetting. And then I kind of take it easy. I do some stretching. I do some yoga. And to answer your question, I, I actually don't practice yoga in the mornings. I just like to stretch in the mornings, do a few sun salutations, wake myself up with maybe 15 minutes of slow stretches and movement. But I usually don't go to a yoga class in the mornings. I actually like doing that in the evenings to wind down from my day. So that would be the majority of my morning routine. If I kept it going, sometimes I would like to go to a body work session, um, which is also known as rolfing. I do that with Lauren Roxburgh. She does structural integration and it's such a good way to start the day. I also like dry brushing. I like infrared sauna, cryotherapy, acupuncture. It's such a good way if you want to just continue that Zen mindset and then jump into your day afterwards. I also like to start the day with Kundalini. And in an ideal world, I don't look at my phone and I don't look at my email 
for several hours after I wake up. But that's in an ideal world. Usually it's only like 30 minutes after I wake up. Then I start to be available. Because the earlier I start working, the earlier that I can kind of leave the technology world for the day and do more stuff for just me. So it really just depends. I think everyone's so different. But that's a routine that I absolutely love. Now a question from Sarah Zakur on Instagram. In the world of decisions, which collagen proteins do you recommend? And in general, what other additives do you add to your morning coffee that don't make you burn out by 5 p.m.? Okay, so I love this question. As far as collagen protein, I love Vital Proteins. I love their vanilla collagen powder. I usually put a scoop of it into my Bulletproof coffee every morning. And I also love Bulletproof's brand of collagen. So it really just depends. I would recommend trying both. Um, If you're looking for lots of fun, delicious flavors, I really would check out Vital Proteins. They just came out with a dark chocolate cherry flavor that is being sent to me this week, and I can't wait to try it. And they just have so many collagen staples that are so good for you. Primal Kitchen also has a collagen bar that you can check out that tastes really good. And what other additives do I put in my morning coffee? I put MCT oil. I put cacao butter, which I use in place of ghee as far as the bulletproof lifestyle goes. I just don't really love ghee in my coffee. It's just a preference. Um, But cacao butter still gives it that dose of healthy fats that helps your metabolism get started and helps that coffee not burn you out and burn through your system really fast. So it kind of gives you more sustained energy and gets your body into a fat-burning mode, metabolic mode. Okay, the next question is from Shelby K. Lucan, and she asks, what are your favorite podcasts to listen to? And I want to make a suggestion. I would die if you and Maddie Moon did a podcast together. Okay, super exciting because Maddie Moon is coming on my podcast in a couple weeks. I love her. I went on her podcast back in the day. She's been podcasting for a long time, and I love the message that she puts out into the world of body positivity and the opposite of all the orthorexia stuff that we were talking about. She's also an orthorexia recovery advocate, which I absolutely love. And I've noticed from afar that Maddie has gotten into a lot of this spiritual stuff that I am currently really into too. So I can't wait to talk to her all about it. And then some other podcasts that I love. I have recently gotten deep into the Jess Lively podcast called The Lively Show because I actually found her because I was searching for Abraham Hicks podcasts and she talks a lot about Abraham Hicks and the law of attraction and channeling and quantum living, quantum mechanics. She is very much on this spiritual path also and has infused a lot of that spirituality into her business. And that's something that I love and appreciate and I'm so into. And she's just a fun, bubbly person to listen to. I trust her opinion a lot. It's very clear that she puts a lot of research and a lot of love into her podcasts. So I've been listening to that pretty much nonstop. I've been taking these really long walks from Brentwood to Santa Monica and back and listening largely to The Lively Show. I am also into Raw Talk with Sheena right now, Sheena Manina. I love her podcast, her and her co-host, Amber Lee. They talk a lot about channeling, channeling the Pleiadians and all of this really cool spiritual stuff. And she owns a juice bar or a raw food and juice bar um, restaurant in New Orleans called Raw Republic. So she also talks a lot about wellness and food and body love, body positivity, I've gotten a lot of inspiration from that podcast lately. She's also friends with Stassi Schroeder. So if you're into reality TV and Vanderpump Rules, then you'll appreciate that. That's actually how I ever first heard of Sheena's podcast. And then it was reintroduced to me by one of my awesome listeners who had a session with Sheena and Amberly, a healing session, because they also do energy work and channeling. And some other podcasts that I love are Luke Stories, The Lifestylist. He has some really interesting guests and he breaks down all sorts of wellness hacks and ways to live life optimally. So Luke's really into the whole ketogenic thing He and bulletproof. He talks to huge leaders in the field because Luke knows a lot of people and just has really, really interesting people on. Some of my favorite episodes that he's done are with Russell Simmons and Gretchen Rubin of The Happiness Project 
and um, Khalil from Sun Life Organics. I really want to have Khalil on my podcast. I just read his memoir and it's sensational all about growing up in a really troubled home, becoming a heroin addict, living on the streets, and then starting Sun Life Organics, which is a juice bar smoothie place in Malibu. And it's my favorite. So Luke's podcast, The Lifestylist, is really good. I love Lauren and Michael Bostick's podcast, The Skinny Confidential, Him and Her. They touch on lots of really good tips for people who are looking to blog full-time, do social media full-time, live the entrepreneurial lifestyle. I feel like they've just done it so well. They have invaluable tips. They both read a lot and talk to a lot of influential people. So, It's just good, sound advice, and I love the banter that they have with each other, and I just love them as people. Uh, Let's see here. Other podcasts that I really love. Oh, I might be late to the train on this one, but Dear Sugars, which was started by Cheryl Strayed, who wrote Wild, and her friend Steve Almond. It's based off of a column that they've had on the New York Times called Dear Sugars, and they give people advice. They answer questions about love and relationships and lifestyle and health and the art of saying no. They recently interviewed Oprah Winfrey, and that was so cool. I love From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl, Rachel Brafen, and I love That's So Retrograde, obviously. I had them on my podcast, and they are hilarious. I love the One Part Podcast with Jessica Murnan, Let It Out by Katie DeLabelle. She has some amazing guests. And I love Catherine Budig's podcast with her girlfriend, Free Cookies. They talk to people in sports and people in wellness. I could go on and on. I have so many favorite podcasts, but I hope that that answers your question and gives you some fun new shows to listen to. Okay, so Down Dog Shelby asks, how do you go about finding the right teacher for your yoga practice? This is such a good question because so many people try yoga for the first time, don't really love their teacher or the style of yoga that they try, and are convinced that they don't like yoga because they tried this one teacher that didn't really resonate with them. So I think it's really important to find a teacher that works for you. And probably the best way to do that is to try a few different teachers in a style of yoga that you know you like or that you want to try out and see if you like it. And that's how you'll find your teacher. So for me, I've kind of always known that teachers that I relate the most to teach more of a fast-paced vinyasa type of class where I really get sweaty, but also they teach the spiritual aspect and they give a long shavasana and they kind of mold together the two types of yoga that I love, which is fun, happy, upbeat, music, everything type of vinyasa yoga with also the deeper spiritual relaxation aspects of winding down and a long shavasana and inspirational quotes. Someone who I love in LA who does this really well is Steve Ross. I've also had my teacher Calvin Corzine at Yoga Works for years who I think does this really well. And what I've found with a lot of the teachers that I really love is that they don't talk very much. They say the pose. They tell you how to get into the pose with proper alignment. They'll pop in by saying, a quote or two or telling a story about something that's happened to them recently in their life. Usually when we're in a hip opener or something like that, which gives us a nice distraction, something to listen to. And they might end with a quote or with a chant from the Vedas or something really spiritual and awesome. But they don't talk that much. They don't rattle off talking about themselves or talking about the pose or too much because I think a lot of us, when we go to yoga, we want to turn our brain off and we want to draw inward and get out of our head. So I've learned a lot as a yoga teacher from the teachers that I love. I probably still talk way too much, but maybe that's just my style of teaching. I try. I think we are all on our path of learning how to be our best teacher um, and learning how to be our most receptive student. So I think You just got to try lots of different teachers and first make sure that you even like the style of yoga that you're walking into. So Ashley Nard asks, what is the toughest experience you've had to endure being a well-known yogi, blogger, and podcaster? That's a good question. Probably the toughest experience I've had to endure is just people being really negative to me. Um, When I stopped being vegan, I had just these awful YouTube videos made of me, people wanting me to die, um, 
got these horrible emails all day long for years of people just bashing my choices and my lifestyle. And these were always people who didn't even know the first thing about what I was going through or had never read anything I'd written on my blog. They had never read my book. They just didn't know really what they were talking about. So getting a lot of negativity is always hard. I've heard everything under the sun from people calling me a fat cow to people saying that I'm a disgrace to the world of health because I'm not plant-based to people saying that I am not um, educated enough on the subject to be talking about clairvoyance and mediums. I have everything under the sun, so many different types of opinions. And whenever anyone puts themselves out there publicly, we are all open vessels to all types of opinions. So I've had to work on boundaries I've created some thick boundaries around myself so that people's words don't really penetrate me the same way that they used to. I don't let them get me down or make me feel like I can't be talking about all the stuff that I talk about and that I'm so passionate about and that I spend a lot of time researching and learning about. So I think that's definitely been the hardest thing is just putting yourself out there And I think the more you care about something that you're putting out there, whether it be a specific blog post or a podcast episode or a book, it can really hurt when people tear it down. And when I get a negative review or someone tells me, um, I talked too much in a podcast episode or my voice is so annoying, I need to see a voice coach or something like that. I've just learned to separate myself from those words because people are always going to have your opinion. You're not going to be for everybody. And I think that's the biggest thing I've learned as a public figure is that as much as you want to please everybody, you just can't. You can't be everybody's cup of tea. And once I accepted that, I found so much peace just being me and just knowing that the people who are meant to be listening to my stuff and reading my stuff are here for a reason. And we can all inspire each other and lift each other up. And that's about the best thing we can do. So let's see here. Next question. Firstborn blog asks, how do you stay balanced while running your own business, teaching yoga, keeping up with social media, and literally doing it all? Well, first of all, thank you. That is really nice. Um, A lot of us juggle a lot of things. And between the podcast, the blog, working on my next book, always thinking of ideas for all sorts of things that I want to write and that I want to do, teaching yoga. I don't know if I already said that. All the things that I try to juggle in a week or a day or whatever type of day I'm having, I have to be really conscious of taking care of myself. And I have accidentally many, many times run myself into the ground, gotten sick, because of not taking enough time to myself, gotten burnt out because of traveling too much and not, again, taking care of myself. So I think the more that you add to your plate, the more you have to make space for yourself to have time away from all of it, away from people, able to just sit with yourself in the stillness, especially if you want to keep creating. As a creator, if we don't spend time with ourselves then we can't create anything at all. We'll constantly be taking in other people's ideas, other people's information, and it'll wash out all of the stuff that we are meant to bring into the world as a light. So I think I've just gotten really big on my self-care practice since I've taken on so much. And I've also learned to let go of a lot of things. I let go of my clothing line. I've recently let go of teaching my weekly yoga classes in favor of events because I feel like it's more of an energetic match for me to teach events where I can reach a lot of people instead of teaching twice a week in the mornings, which was cutting into my sleep and also not reaching as many people as I would like to just because of the time of day and that kind of thing. So I think just getting clear on what you want to spend your time doing and then being okay with letting go of the things that you no longer feel are serving you. And also having a really, really vigorous self-care practice are two things that you can do. So the next question is, how do you keep your work-life balanced without burning out? At what point did you decide to hire on help? So that's a great question from Ava J of Kicking Asana, such a cute name. And work-life balance is really important to me. I spent many years when I first started my blog having no balance at all and pretty much working 24-7. If I took a break, it was because it was someone's birthday or someone was in town visiting me in New York or I 
had an obligation of some sort, but I didn't take breaks at all. And this was because I was new to the business and I was so excited and all I cared about was watching it grow and engaging with people on social media and my readers and just creating stuff that my readers would like. So I did that for a long time and I didn't actually have any space for a romantic relationship or for spontaneous things that I now have realized feed my soul or travel that didn't include work. And I learned that you do burn out and you also experience some health problems, some health difficulties if you push yourself too hard for too long. So I just learned that creating a work-life balance is really important for someone like me and most people who are really looking to grow a a business in a balanced way and have it not take over your whole entire life. And a few things that helped me get to that point, beginning to structure my days. So choosing hours that I was available on email and then letting myself be creative for the rest of the day and actually create the things that I was so excited about, like this podcast, for example, and each episode that I do, working on blog posts and doing research for the topics that I like to write about, going to yoga because, hello, that's something that I write about and it's really important to me. And for a while, even that fell by the wayside because all I was doing was working. And I think surrounding yourself with people who remind you to take some time off of the screens and are a really good influence in that area are so important to have. I know being in a relationship with Jonathan has helped me keep myself in check with how much time I spend on social media and email and recording everything I do to try to share it with people. Sometimes it's nice to just keep things to yourself. And then just filling my time with things that I love. So for a long time, I got out of the habit of reading books because all my free time was spent working. And now I've realized the importance of reading. I like to read for like two hours before I go to sleep at night when possible. So I make time for that. I get in bed earlier. I don't let myself look at technology and I read. And I've learned so much from doing that. And it helps me keep a nice work-life balance and keep myself from getting burnt out. I like to go on vacations with my friends and family without having work attached to it. So I used to always, if I was traveling somewhere, think, oh, I'll plan a workshop there or I'll do a book signing or I'll teach a class or I'll do this. I'll partner with a brand. I'll get the whole thing covered. And I've learned sometimes it's very nice to go on vacation and not have those kinds of work obligations. So I just started changing the way that I did things. And I think it's different for everybody. Everybody has a different threshold for how much they can handle. I have people in my life like Brandon, for example, and even Jonathan, who I think have a much larger threshold than I do for working hours in the day and being available to people. And for me, being super available to people all day long really burns me out. So I try to take the guilt off of myself if I can't answer every question, if I can't answer every DM and just remind myself this is what I need in order to stay balanced and stay healthy and be able to do this for a living. So Ashley Stovall asks, what's your go-to healthy meal and what is your go-to snack besides nuts and nuts but- nut butters? My favorite go-to healthy meal right now is a salad from Tender Greens. It's called the Happy Vegan Salad, and I like to add tuna, albacore, to it. So it's um, a mix of quinoa and green hummus and romaine and this really good like citrusy vinaigrette. And I like to add fish because that gives some extra protein. That is my go-to meal right now. I fly through things like I get really addicted to certain things at certain times. So if I'm making food at home, I get really into roasting vegetables like Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, broccoli, sweet potato with coconut aminos and ghee. And that's really good. And I'll throw in some tempeh or some grilled chicken. And that's one of my favorite go-to meals for breakfast. I love green smoothies with different kinds of plant-based protein powders. I also love oatmeal with nut butter and my favorite snack. I love that you say besides nuts and nut butters because that is my go-to snack and you probably know that because I share that so much. I also really love, um, oh, I guess I should say I don't really snack that much. If I do snack, it's probably a nut butter or just a really clean protein shake that's not going to fill me up too much before my next meal. If anything, I learned in Ayurveda was that snacking for my particular digestive system isn't that great. 
But, you know, if I'm starving and I want a snack, a protein shake or a square of sugar-free dark chocolate is a fave and a go-to. This question I'm so excited about. This is from Vital Treasures on Instagram from Carrie, who I've really connected to, who I absolutely love. She asks, how do you hear your voice or your guides? Is it a knowing, a voice, a vision? Does it come in the form of your own voice? Such a good question. So Carrie knows I'm still refining how I connect to my guides. And I've gotten into this whole world of connecting with my guides and spirituality through different mediums and through Kundalini and through the inspiration of so many other amazing people that I know. And I have communicated with my guides in various ways. So far, it's mainly just a knowing and occasionally I'll have visions and that's usually during a meditation at the end of a really great, really powerful kundalini class. I'll have visions and be able to get really clear answers from my guides and from other non-physical beings that I'm channeling. And it's more visual, but I would say it's not like visual, like they're in the room with me. It's like visual kind of in my third eye, almost like having a dream, but very real. And they'll show me things like images. I've seen images of a pyramid, for example, of people. It's like a spiraling pyramid and it made it very clear to me who I should be focusing my time on, people who are the best energetic match for me at this point in my life. And that was extremely visual. In my dreams, I will have super visual meetings with my guides or with other non-physical beings where I'll see things. I'll see like bright white light surrounding certain things. And sometimes I'll even have a physical reaction. (laughs) That's something I'm going to have to get into in an episode of its own because I want to learn more about it. Um, This just recently started happening. These physical reactions I've been having in my dreams. It's like lucid dreaming. So I'm very, very conscious that I'm dreaming and I'm sort of awake and experiencing these things where I feel like my soul is having a party of its own outside of my body and having connections with spirit guides and all sorts of really cool things. So everybody listening, I don't know how you feel about this. I'm sure there are lots of skeptics and I totally get that. And then there are lots of people who are really into this and who are learning about this kind of stuff as well. So what I can tell you is that I am doing my research. I'm connecting with so many people who teach spirituality, who teach shamanism and Reiki and energy healing and medicine work. I have an appointment coming up this week with someone named Ashley Brothers who does a really, really cool guided journey, shamanic journey. Um, And I have an energy healing session with Pat Longo. By the time this comes out, I'll have done that. And I have just so much stuff that I'm doing right now because I want to understand it so much more. I'm also reading Tyler Henry's book, Between Two Worlds, Lessons from the Other Side. And um, I can't believe how much I relate to him. I thought for sure, you know, Tyler Henry, he has his show on E! And he is a medium to the celebrities and he does, he does such accurate readings. Um, I thought for sure that that accuracy had been available to him all along, but he actually did so much work to hone his skill and had so much confusion at the beginning of his journey. And right now, this is not to say that I will become a medium like Tyler Henry. That would be like the coolest thing in the whole world. And I have no idea what's in store for me. Um, but I'm just saying I relate to him in the sense that I have a lot of confusion right now about this gift that is unfolding itself in front of me, but a lot of excitement as well. And I'm just trying to learn as much as I can and develop as many mentors as I can. And I feel like I'm learning a lot so far and it's really exciting. So that's kind of the update on the visions that I've been having in my dreams and sometimes in meditations. Lauren Bongiorno asks, how do you go about time to read? I know it's a big part of your life and I want to be a better reader, but being a health coach and social media er full-time, I feel like all my downtime goes toward business growth. True. Totally feel that. Totally feel you, Lauren, on so many levels. And you have an amazing page. So I see that you put a lot of work into it. Kind of like I said in the answer to a question a few minutes ago, I have had to make 
time for myself to read. I believe that we all have the capability to make time to do whatever it is that we want and that's important to us. So for me, it was just about reprioritizing reading books. Reading makes me feel good. I've learned a lot reading Tyler Henry's book. As I said, I just read Khalil's book from Sun Life. Um, I get so much inspiration from reading books, whether it be memoirs or more informational type of books or total fiction. It just helps me zen out and I learn at the same time. So I just prioritized it. I decided instead of watching a TV show before I go to bed or instead of working up until I'm exhausted and I lay down to go to sleep or FaceTiming or talking on the phone, doing all the things that I would always fill my late nights with before I went to sleep, I now read. And sometimes I try to go to exercise a little earlier than I would in the past so that I do have a lot of time to come home, make dinner, unwind, maybe still have a phone call or two with my mom or my, a friend or whatever, and then read. And if I'm with Jonathan, um, sometimes it's nice to read together. It's not something we've done so much of, but I have this clear vision of us like reading in bed next to each other and it's the best thing ever. So if you're in a relationship, kind of just getting inspired by the person that you're with to do things together and to read together before bed instead of doing something else like watching a movie together. Um, One thing I don't do is watch movies. Anybody who knows me can tell you that I just do not watch movies or TV or anything. And I've actually tried to get better about that just for the sake of being up to date on pop culture and also learning things from movies. And I think tuning out or getting out of our heads by um, different forms of entertainment, especially if it's informational, but it definitely doesn't have to be, is a good thing to do. So if I'm not reading, I've also been trying to watch more TV before bed instead of just working because creating a work-life balance is so important and letting your brain take a break every so often is so, so, so important. Okay, I'm going to answer a few more questions and then I'm probably just going to do a follow-up Q&A because there's so many good ones, but let's see if I can rapid fire answer a few. So Lauren Holloway asks, how is your growing kundalini practice and how do you integrate it with your vinyasa practice? So my kundalini practice is something that I do not do as often as I would like to do um, because going to a kundalini studio like here in LA, either Nine Treasures or Rama or doing a private session, it does take a lot of time, um, like an hour and a half for a kundalini class, but usually a little more, especially when you include the driving back and forth. And that usually takes place of a physical workout for me during the day. So I have tried to find my balance with kundalini to go about once a week so that I can still reap the benefits and get that out-of-body meditation experience and work with a powerful teacher without feeling like I don't have time for physical exercise, which is also important to me. Um, So as you can see, I am not the most dedicated kundalini practitioner right now, but I'm kind of trying to find that balance between physical vinyasa yoga kundalini um, and other types of exercise like running and other types of meditation that I can do at home. And I do try to incorporate some kundalini sets and kriyas at home so that I can reap the benefits, like I said, without, um, without feeling like I always have to be going to a studio. So the kundalini practice is still going amazing. I absolutely love the teacher Tage from Nine Treasures. And at some point, I would really like to do a kundalini training and learn how to integrate it and infuse it into all of these other spiritual practices that I have been discovering lately. It's so awesome. So now just to combine a few questions that I got a lot of, what is my favorite way to stay fit and exercise? I love a blend of vinyasa yoga with Orange Theory Fitness, high-intensity interval training, which I like to do about once a week. I like to walk outside and hit 10,000 steps a day when I can especially if that's my only form of exercise a day, then I make sure to hit 10,000 steps without getting too fanatical, of course. And I have recently reconsidered the idea of working out with a trainer once a week because I do like having someone to push me really hard and do the types of things that I don't necessarily like to do on my own, like deep squats and lunges and that type of exercise, which we also do at Orange Theory. But, you know, it can be different when it's one-on-one versus a group So I just really like to switch things up. And I would say 
find the type of exercise that makes you happy, that makes you really enjoy yourself so that you'll be consistent with it because consistency is everything. So I'm very consistent with yoga and also yoga sculpt at Core Power. And I like that those two things help keep me so consistent because I love them so much. And then another question that I got a lot of was, how did you find the confidence to start a podcast? Um, so it was scary to start a podcast, especially because I didn't know what I was getting into and I didn't know how to use GarageBand or any type of anything really to, to host a podcast. But I knew that I really wanted to talk to you guys and connect with you guys on such a deeper level and interview people who were inspiring to me and share their stories with you guys. And I kind of just accepted to myself, not everybody's going to love it. Not everybody's going to love me. And that's okay. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to plow forward and see what happens. And I also had a lot of people telling me not to start a podcast because they thought I didn't have enough time and I was already doing too much. And eventually I had to ask myself, what's important to you? What do you, what do you want to prioritize? And a podcast was something I really wanted to do. So I didn't let the naysayers and the people who told me I didn't have enough time stand in the way of my inner knowing of what I was going to make time for and prioritize. And I will say it's also been really helpful to have help with editing. I have an amazing editing team, Podcast Masters, Cody, Hayden, and their whole team. And they help me a lot so that I don't have to edit the podcast myself and I can focus on the creative side of it. And I still have time to blog, teach yoga, have work-life balance, do everything else. And then final question. Oh, a lot of you guys wanted to know if I was a color, what color would I be? Because that's a question that I ask everybody who comes on this podcast. And I've been very inspired by everyone's answers. I think kind of to go off of what a lot of people have said who have been on this podcast, the answer changes depending on the day. But when I think of a color that emanates out of me that I really resonate with. I would say white. I always envision a bright white light around me and around all of the people who I love, who are spiritually connected and who are doing great things in this world. And it kind of has a twinge of yellow to it. So it's like a sunny white, if that makes sense. It's not like a stark white because if you know my wardrobe, I'm not the most neutral dresser. So stark white is not the answer, but it's like a yellowy, bright white light. That is what I would be if I was a color. Wow. This was fun. Thank you guys for listening. I think I'll do a lot more Q&As because I know there were so many questions I didn't get to. And if you did send in a question, thank you so much for participating in this fun episode. It's a fun way for us to communicate with each other and connect And if I didn't get to your question, then hopefully I will in the next Q&A or you can always ask it on thebalancebond.com slash QA and try to keep it brief if it's on there because my answer will have to be a little brief so I can get back to everybody. And yeah, I'm always available. I'm so appreciative of you guys. And please let me know if you like the idea of me starting the podcast with a little 15-second intro about what the podcast is about so I can keep it concise for new listeners. I would love your opinion on that Um, since you guys have been with me and helped me grow this podcast and listened to it from day one. Or maybe you're a newer listener and I appreciate you a lot. So ultimately, what I want to do is keep bringing you guys information that you want to hear about. Right now, I'm on the spiritual path, so I love sharing that stuff. But I also love sharing information about growing brands, becoming an entrepreneur, working for yourself, finding the motivation to leave a nine to five job and dive into what it is that you want to do and that you love and that sets your soul on fire. So we'll keep it up with all the interviews and my next solo episode. Ooh, I kind of want to tell you the topic, but I'm not going to just in case it changes because you know me, I can't really stick to things if my life depended on it. So We'll see what the next solo episode is, but it's going to be very soon. So thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you're the most awesome. Come hang out on thebalancebond.com, read the blog, check out Instagram, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, guys.